Emma Compton Lane was murdered in the early morning hours of June 18th, 2017. And this is her sister's story. This week, I would like to send a huge shout out to Gordon G and family and JJ. Thank you. Producing this podcast, I need many tools to be able to bring you adequate quality content. I have an affiliate link with Amazon. And by simply clicking on my affiliate link before you make your Amazon purchases, you are helping me to continue to be able to drop a weekly episode. Once you click on the link, you will be redirected to your own Amazon page, ordering as you normally would. There are no extra costs and no fees. You can also, as always, Support the podcast by sending a one-time PayPal contribution or through Patreon, you can donate as little as $1 a month. All of the links can be found in the show notes, so your help is only one click away. I appreciate, as always, your support and dedication to Morning the Murdered podcast. Hi, is this Shauna? Yes. It's Kelly calling from Morning the Murdered podcast. Oh, how you doing? Morning the Murdered is a podcast I created because in 1999, a friend of mine was murdered. My name is Kelly, and I am your host. I saw the effects that murder have on family members, and I wanted to give a voice to the loved ones of murdered victims. Every week... I interview the family member of a murder victim. So please be sure to tune in every Thursday to hear their stories on Morning the Murdered podcast. Halifax County is in Virginia, on the east coast of the United States, and has a population of give or take 37,000. When people think of Virginia, they often think of the longtime ad campaign Virginia is for lovers. This slogan started when an ad depicted the very first honeymoon, which was supposedly to have been in Jamestown. Halifax County was settled in 1752 and has many historic sites, including the Prizery, which is listed on the National Register of Historic Places and is considered to be an architecturally prominent and interesting building in the area, which houses the local community centre. It plays host to performers from around the world. There is also an art gallery there displaying various artists at any given time. The Prizery's name comes from the times when this building was used as a tobacco warehouse, and tobacco was prized or pressed, layer by layer. There is also plenty of opportunity to do outdoor things there as well. Hiking and fishing, boating and hunting, in the natural heritage of these county sites. A popular activity here is canoeing down the Staunton River to see Cat Rock Sluice and Indian Jim's Cave, both of which are also registered historic landmarks. This county does have many historical sites and peaceful activities. A calming area where families enjoy the outdoors together. 
where people enjoy tranquil activities as a family, where once, Emma too enjoyed lazy days and family time. That is, until she was murdered. Her killer is still as yet unnamed. Although it is an ongoing and active investigation, her remaining family's days are now filled with loss and sorrow as they anxiously await the day a person is charged with Emma's murder, who was missing for five months before her body was found. This is the story of Emma Compton Lane's murder. Please tell me about uh, what Emma was like as a baby, and how old were you when she was born? We are exactly three years apart. She was born on my birthday. I was born March 6, 1962. She was born March 6, 1965. That is so special. How did you like that as a, as a child? Did you enjoy, enjoy, enjoy sharing a birthday? I loved it. Oh, that is so beautiful. And what was Emma like as a baby? She had the Shirley Temple curls. Oh, that's and so she nice. Was happy. She had a little round face, and she was always really small. And everybody always, every we had kind of like a little small zoo. Nothing, you know, coyotes, prairie dogs, foxes, all kinds of birds, and quail and partridges, and so. And people used to come down, and everybody wanted to steal them. Oh, really? Everybody wanted Emma. What types of things did she like to do with you as her big sister? We did a lot together. I mean, we played together. We sung together. We we cut up together. Two days before Emma, her birthday's March 4th. So we all grew up together. So, you know, Kay's sister, Tammy, and I were... Really, really good friends. We had another friend, Marianne Dawson. So, you know, like, Kay and Emma was kind of like, yeah, go away, you know, because we walk up to Cody and the little young boys up there, you know, ride dirt bikes and stuff, and we just thought they were in the way. I mean, you know, Kay and I, we laugh about it. Emma and I laughed about it. And did you have any other siblings as well? My brother was killed by a drunk driver in Lakeland, Florida, May 29th, 1983. And uh, we do have an older, she's six years older than I am, and I have nothing to do with her now. I haven't seen her, spoke to her, or had any communication with her at all. Shauna passionately spoke to me about what a blessing it was to have Emma as a sister. She felt she was blessed with this warm-hearted sister who was an adorable girl whose lovely personality shone through to everybody that knew her. With her gorgeous curls, as a young child, coupled with her outgoing and bubbly personality, she seemed to immediately win everybody's attention. Their affinity for each other was more than just a sibling relationship. They were friends. And Shauna relied on Emma. Shauna is now a driving force behind the scenes of this murder investigation and has been from day one. The second she heard that Emma was missing. Never letting the police forget 
that Emma was a hardworking business owner, a homeowner, a dedicated daughter to her mother, and caring, compassionate, and accepting sister. As difficult as it is for her to continually stay on top of things, constantly inquiring about any progress, any leads, knowing she has to. Shauna takes no pleasure in the role that has been thrust upon her. She is sure to remind us that her sister was the victim and she is simply doing what she knows her sister would have done for her. She began by tirelessly searching for her sister, her baby sister, and now continues to fight for justice for Emma. Shauna speaks about the bond they shared and how Emma was such a go-getter and hard worker, a role model that always made her seem like she was the older sister and not the baby of the family. Always making sure everyone in the family was well and happy, showing kindness and forgiveness to everyone she loved. So now you had said that you uh, did not live nearby in distance anymore with your beloved sister, Emma, but that you saw her several times a year and maintained a really close and special bond. Yes. um, Well, I was going to tell you, in my 20s, I had a really bad drug problem. Emma, you know, I hurt her a lot. Um, She just stood back. She didn't know how to help me. And... I was in an abusive relationship that she saved me from. And um, I ended up going to Florida thinking I could play in Destin and all. But that don't happen with a little bit of savings and um, unemployment. So I ended up going to work. And I got clean while I was down there. And I'll never get, I hadn't seen her for three years, but we wrote, we talked, talked on the phone and everything. And um, I, mar- I met a guy and we got married. And he's from Mississippi, is where I live at Lamb. And um, I'll never forget the look on Emma's face. When I walked up on her carport and rang the doorbell, and she opened the door. And she finally looked at me, and she could tell I was clean and sober. But I got clean for Emma because I had hurt her so much. She never turned her back on me. She never condemned me. She wanted to help me, but she didn't know how you know, the funny thing is, it didn't divide us. You know, it. she stuck back because she didn't know. How to help, when, right. You know, when you're a drug addict, nobody knows how to help you. Right. Well, they say you have to help yourself, right? Is that true or no? That is true. Because I was in, I was in Florida. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in Florida. Do you really think I couldn't have got anything I wanted out in Florida? But I got clean for Emma. And the look on her face that day in September when we came up and she knew I was clean sober just sealed the deal for me. Shauna suffers from a variety of health issues, one of which is PTSD, an all-too-common effect on the loved ones of murdered victims. Such devastating trauma families live through when someone is murdered in their family. Post-traumatic stress disorder can develop after a very stressful, frightening, or distressing event, or after a prolonged traumatic experience. 
Emma is deeply missed. She was part of the glue that held their family together. She is always on her sister's mind. Tell me about the devastating moment that you found out about uh, Emma's murder. Well, it was Monday, June 19th. I talked to her on June 17th, Saturday night. Mama was in the hospital, and Emma was actually supposed to go Saturday night, but she had some things to do with the store and all, and she asked Winona would she go Saturday night, and she goes Sunday. Well, you know, we talk just about every day, every other day. And a lot of times on Sunday, I would either get her or I wouldn't. And so I really, you know, when I answering Sunday, I really wasn't concerned. But I call Mama every morning, 7 o'clock my time, 8 o'clock her time. And I called her that Monday morning. And I could tell something was wrong. And I'm like, what's wrong, Mama? And she's like, I can't find I can't get in touch with them. She's not answering it. Phone at the house. She says, I've called the store. The girl's up there. I can't get in touch with her. Um, She's not showed up. Shauna had a hard time making sense of what their mother was telling her. Emma was the reliable one. Always a phone call away. Emma took care of their mother, making sure, as she always did, that she was all right. At this time, when Emma was first not able to be located, their mother was lying in a hospital bed. Neither of her other daughters lived close by, and their mother waited for Emma's daily check-ins. And Emma always checked in, making her way to the hospital amidst all of her other responsibilities. You see, Emma had clear patterns set in her daily life. She went to check her store was organized, checked to see if her husband needed anything at work, did the groceries, chatted on the phone with Shauna, and went to see her mother in the hospital. She rarely to never deviated from these patterns, making it particularly easy to know where she was. She always followed a point A to point B type of schedule. How could she possibly be missing? Shauna instantly had a feeling of dread. She said, get Winona to go down there and check on her. And I called Winona, and she was mad, and took me 20 minutes, but she finally went down there. Um, I wanted to report Emma that day, and I do hold it against myself. I beat myself up every day for not doing it, you know, when I was saying she'd gone off with some guy and just stupid. And I'm like, really? So she's so bold that he come to the house and picked her up. I mean, her pocketbook was there, her book bag, her bank deposits, her car, her cell phone. Everything was there. And you're burning up my medicine. And she wouldn't talk to me. She wouldn't tell me anything. Unsettling rumors began to spread that Emma had taken off with another guy. Shauna knew this was just not possible. From day one, she repeatedly told the police that Emma would not just up and leave. Absolutely not. When Emma's husband began to say this, 
that she had run off with another guy, Shauna knew she would never see her sister again. There were also so many facts that backed up her initial gut reaction, but still no one listened to this grieving and desperate sister. Very unsettled by the fact that Emma's car was still at the house, and her wallet, and phone. It was very clear that Emma didn't just leave of her own free will. It was time to call the police and file a missing persons report. I call Halifax Sheriff's Department, 6 o'clock my time, Tuesday morning, 7 o'clock that time, and I was screaming so loud the woman had to tell me, lower your voice, calm down, talk slow. And I told her, I said, my sister Emma Compton Lane is missing. Y'all need to get somebody to their house. Shauna also began to call around to anyone and everyone she could think of trying to locate her sister Emma but to no avail. A quick decision was made to get back home to the family home, the one that Emma purchased from their parents. The one that Emma was living in at the time of her disappearance. This home was where they all grew up. The memories began rattling through the sister's mind as she headed there. Unfortunately, happy memories were not to be what continued to consume Shauna. And I walked in that basement, and I stood there, and I looked around. Nothing was in place. We had been up Christmas, December of 2016, and actually, Emma and I had been talking because Mark had to have hernia surgery, so I was going to get to spend three weeks up there in July. And, you know, we was making plans about that and everything. And when I walked in the basement, I started seeing flashes of everything that happened. I'm not psychic, so don't think I'm clairvoyant or psychic or anything like that. But I walked in there, and it was like a little living quarter. So it was like a little living area, little small kitchenette, bedroom, closet, bathroom. And I walked in the bedroom, and it's closed all over the floor. And I picked picked a couple of pieces up and I'm like, these are the clothes we packed up in December because the only one's in a size 11 and these were sixes and sevens because we stayed up almost all night that night, giggling and laughing and throwing this and that pile and she's folding and I'm folding and then she was like, I want to show you this shirt and she started digging and she messed up my pile and we had put them in totes. Two totes, blue totes, and big totes. So I had already seen the flashes of what I know happened. And plus, it was a child. It was a desk in the living quarters, a wooden desk. And in the bedroom was a little green metal desk that actually we had when we were growing up. And it was an old wooden child sitting. That child was flipped over between the closet and the bathroom. So I looked in the closet and these were big totes, and it was they were dark blue with light blue lid, and one of the totes were missing. Shauna took up camp there, in her old childhood home, knowing that something was terribly wrong. She stayed, and she didn't leave for three months. As difficult as it was for her to be there, in the place she knew something fatal had happened to her beloved sister, Sitting, staring, 
at Emma's husband on that first day, or maybe glaring is more accurate, having to spend time in a place that always brought loving and peaceful memories previously, now filled her with worry and dread, fear and suspicion. You feel the police failed you in their investigation, is that right? They didn't fail me, they failed Emma. I am not a victim. I am a grieving big sister. Right. I am not a victim. My mama and Emma were victims because when Emma didn't show up for mama's birthday, July 14th, mama said, if Emma don't show up or call me, I know she's gone. She's never missed my birthday. And my mama gave up the will to live after that. Uh She passed away October the 14th, four months later. Tell me about how Emma was eventually found. She was located by a neighbor that him and his son were hunting and investigated for um, Charlotte County. And they were on Robert Wallace land and the dogs took off. And when he got close enough, he knew. He he knew. Did he? And he he called the police. They went down there and... Russ Levin made the comment, and this come from Captain Mike Womack. They found Elma. Well, how do you know they found Elma? Why are you not up and over there? They got generators going. They got lights going. And how did the police inform you about the discovery of Emma's body? Um, he says, um, we didn't know whether to call you or not, but we finally decided to call you. Hmm. We found remains off Sandy Ridge Road. And I asked him, I said, was it a chocolate diamond? And he says, that was something said about something chocolate. So I had already identified him at that point. Mm-hmm. Because she had on a chocolate diamond, a white diamond, and a gold toe ring that I had given her for her birthday. Oh. So you knew right and away. I knew. Because mm-hmm. she was Two to three hundred feet from where I had begged them to take dogs and look. They could have found my sister within two weeks. You know, um, that Monday after Thanksgiving, I left. Mark wouldn't let me leave because of ball games because I had to go to Atlanta and everything. And they were having the big Thanksgiving ball games and stuff. So Mark told me, he says, wait till Sunday. So I left Sunday night. I arrived at 630 well, about six o'clock at Mama's house, and um, I went in, and um, Steve, the neighbor across from Mama that we grew up with, he came over there, and um, I called Investigator Burton. I said I'm at Mama's, and he came up there and done a DNA swab, and he's like, I'm going to hurt. I got you know, I'm going to swab Winona, and I'm going straight to Richmond. Well, I wasn't supposed to be at Mama that evening. Lo and behold, 3 o'clock, when Nona pulls up, then Investigator Burton pulls up. He did my DNA in the backyard, never took his little black box out of the SUV. He brought the Q-tip up there, swapped my mouth, and was gone. I said, did y'all find all of Emma? And he looked at me, and he said, Shauna, you're not ready for this. And I lost it. My two girls come to the front porch, and they were comforting me. And I remember Investigator Barton walked by, and he wrote me on the back, and he says, I'm sorry, Sean. And I'm Googling, researching, 
something, and all of a sudden this story pops up. It's almost based kind of like overlaid of the story. Story I'd never seen. A spokesperson from Halifax County Sheriff's Department found it so important. This is how I found out my baby's sister, how she was found. Her remains were scattered all over the woods. I had not been told that. And then three months, well, this is January, three months later, this article pops up out of nowhere. And I'm reading it. And this spokesperson says her remains were scattered throughout the woods. And I'd like to have killed me. Because, I, you know, if I scared a bird telling me mon- that Monday after Thanksgiving, you're not ready for this. Well, I was not ready to find out the way I found out. It was, I could have died at that moment. Because I remember I cussed how like, you know, like, mm-hmm. how could y'all do this? Okay. That was not even newsworthy. Oh, my goodness. You did not have to disrespect Emma that way. Y'all have disrespected her for five months and four days, not looking for her. You know, I talked to the sheriff in Halifax County, yes, not yesterday, last week. And all I asked was for, and they've never held a press conference for him, none of them. And that's all I asked of him. And he said, well, you can't help what people say. You can't pay no Well, I do pay attention to it. What did the coroner's report say as her cause of death? Well, you know, it's funny because I had said the bone in your throat that immediately ends your life, hammock bone or whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. I had said, you know, because I knew he had choked her. That was his signature. And I'm like, I hope he broke that bone. And that was the cause of death. Okay. Because I feel like, but my therapist had told me, you know, Shauna, you lose consciousness. And after that, and I'm like, no, I wanted it to be quick. Finally, the police took the investigation seriously. It took finding Emma's dead body and the coroner's report saying she was murdered. During those horrible months that Emma was missing, People spent those months living in the house. The house Emma had disappeared from, destroying evidence. When Emma first went missing, the police took her computer, but never searched the house. They never treated the case seriously. Right from that first day Shauna arrived in town, she said the basement was all wrong. And she continued to say this, over and over again, that things weren't placed properly, that something was off, that something had happened there. But the police didn't listen. The police never even questioned Emma's husband. They finally called him in for questioning and polygraph. They then decided to search your house after a water pipe conveniently had broken in the basement. He lawyered up. And the next day, he, you know, he was going to come back with a lawyer, but he comes back with Stanley. And nothing else has been done. And so the coroner ruled it a murder, of course, because of the manner of death. Um, and he failed his lie detector test. And they haven't arrested him yet? 
no. Are they considering this? They have this? not even named him as a suspect. Um, he's allowed to get in his truck, go to Ohio, go to North Carolina, go to Pennsylvania, go to New York. And is it considered an active case? They say it is. Shauna is desperately awaiting an arrest. Police say they expect an arrest to happen, but Shauna isn't holding her breath. There is so much to be said when a loved one like Shauna works hard to be sure her sister is remembered. She's doing great work. It is pretty clear to the police that she will not be going away anytime soon. Staying on top of them to be sure the investigation continues and is not forgotten. It is so important. And Shauna is doing that. She always knew that with Emma's close family ties, the fact that she owned a home and a business, the fact that she was never out of touch with her family, that she left her car behind, her wallet, her cell phone, with their mother in the hospital, the mother she visited every single day, the fact that she was stable and reliable. She knew that when Emma suddenly disappeared, things were not going to have a positive outcome. How she wishes she would have been wrong. Emma had been living in the basement of her home for the three years prior to her disappearance due to a strained marital relationship. Yet the police never listened to the pleas from her family to investigate. It took finding Emma's remains before her husband was even questioned. Finally, he was given a polygraph test, which he failed. He has not been named as a suspect yet. Let us all hope that an arrest is made soon, so there is finally justice for Emma. Well, thank you so much, and I really do appreciate you taking out the time to be on the podcast today. No, thank you. Thank you so much, but thank you so much. That you would call me from Canada to do this. Because Halifax and her so called friend, Emma's gone. Move on. And I cannot, Emma did not pass away from cancer. She did not pass away in a car wreck. My baby sister was murdered. She was thrown in the woods in a three inch nothing in a red sleeping bag and left there for five months and four days. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Take care. You too. I'm not quite sure how people move on after a tragedy. There are support groups online and face-to-face, and there are books and family and friends to lean on. But in reality, when someone loses a loved one to murder, they lose a piece of themselves that can never be returned. Memories are all that are left. So talk about your loved one and let the world know how important they will be to you forever. These memories become valuable treasures. No one will ever understand your pain, but surround yourself with those that can understand how important it is for you to share your story. I will now light a candle for the victim and their loved ones. Ensuring their memory lives on and burns brightly. You are remembered. 
I want to take a moment and extend my most sincere and humble gratitude to each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, or if you would like your voice to be heard on Morning the Murdered and tell the story of your loved one, email me at morningthemurdered at gmail.com. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-T-H-E-M-U-R-D-E-R-E-D at gmail.com. Thank you to Dennis for editing this podcast. You are absolutely indispensable. Thank you so much. A huge shout out to Patrick for creating the original music that you hear. And the artwork for this podcast was created by Talia with support from Matt and Mick. Thanks so much, guys.